Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. Today, I'm going to be talking about the cross. Um, It's something I believe that has lost its value in most of our lives. Because we see it everywhere. Some of you are wearing it around your necks, and not that that's a bad thing. Um, but it's just you see it, and you and you and you you know what it means, but it, it's really lost its significance of what it actually means. And so this Sunday, I'm going to talk about the cross and why there was a cross. Also next week, I can talk about living with the resurrection power, because Jesus didn't go to the cross so that you could get a ticket to heaven. Jesus went to the cross and proved his power and authority by coming out of the grave so you could have life now. And next Sunday, that's what we're going to talk about, what it means and how we do it, how do we live in this place now, because most of us aren't planning to go to heaven today or tomorrow. We want to live here a little bit longer And the problem is, living here a little bit longer is difficult, because um, I have to think about what words I can use. This world stinks, (laughs) and it's painful to live here, and things happen that are hurtful to you over and over again. Some of you right now are in immense pain, and no one knows it, because of things that are going on in our world, and honestly... There's a little fear that if people knew I might be rejected or I might be looked at funny. And the truth it is, we need each other. Like we need to have places that we can be honest with what's going on inside of us. I don't don't know if y'all noticed this, but um, mental health and suicide are on the rise. (laughs) Because this world is hard. And this is this is. Like, not even really what I'm talking about today, but I feel like a little wind of the Holy Spirit. Um, If this is you, like, I encourage you, don't leave here today thinking, like, it's going to be okay. Like, I'll get through this. Invite somebody in. Invite somebody in to, like, hey, this is what's going on, and this is why I feel the way I feel. And I just, I need somebody to listen, and I need somebody to encourage And so what I want to do with our time here this morning is try to figure out how we can view the cross correctly, which in 35 minutes I cannot do justice what the cross means. I mean, like I've read a ton of stuff this week kind of thinking about this, and there's so much stuff, and there's so much, and I'm going to give you a drop in the bucket of what the cross really means for you. And for those that um, are Mandalorian fans, uh, this is the way. (laughs) Yeah, I did that. Um, Let's pray. Um, Dearly Father, bring back to us the power of the cross. Bring back to us the ability to see what you've done for us. Lord, where we currently are struggling with how much you love us or do you even love us or do you even care, Lord, I pray that we could see the cross for what it is. 
a demonstration of not just words of your love and affection for us, but a demonstration in action of how much you really love us. Lord, I pray that you'd break strongholds this morning. I pray that you'd break lies um, that some of us are believing about you. Lord, I, I pray that we would see your heart this morning of how much and how far you will go to restore a people to yourself. And I pray today that we could uh, lift you high and celebrate what you're doing. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So part of the thing this morning in saying this is the way, if this is the way, then there is no other way. And part of our dilemma in Christianity is we're a people that are looking for another way. We don't say that, but we're like, but Jesus needs this and Jesus needs that and I need to do this and I need to do this. And, and a lot of us are taking uh, this and we're not saying it to ourselves. So I'm saying it for you. Um, there is no other way. And if you're trying to make another way, that other way will lead you <laughs> somewhere else. Because if there is but one way, we cannot choose a different path. We cannot choose a different method. And even if that method means our, our own works of righteousness and our own works um, of goodness and, and being better people so that we'd be loved and appreciated by God the Father, uh, it's not the way that's going to work. Because if you read the New Testament, the ones who did that, who had the system and created the laws, were the furthest ones away. And I don't think it started that way. I don't think their intent was, we want to create a way that we can be in control, but it's what we do. We've done it from the beginning. Since Adam and Eve, we have gone to ourselves, and we're, some of us are saying this right now with poor decisions that we're making, is we're saying to ourselves, we know better. Because if Adam and Eve failed in a perfect world with one rule, what hope do we have? Because all God told them is don't eat from this. And it wasn't like it was the best tree in the garden. It wasn't that it was the only place that had fruit. There was stuff for them everywhere else. But he said, don't do this. Because when you do this, you'll die. And we've entered into that sin. Every one of us was born into that corruption. We're, we're dying right now. And I don't mean just physically. As we get older and we're getting one day closer to that day that we're going to stand and account before the Father. But we're literally dying. Our soul is dying inside of us because we're thinking to ourselves we can be just like God. And the cross is a reminder that there is no other way. Because if there was another way, this wouldn't have happened. And so I'm going to read out of Mark 14, verse 32 through 42. And I love the humanity of Jesus. Because sometimes we think because he is part of the Trinity that all of this was like no big deal. Like... <laughs> You know, he's God. Like going to the cross is, is no big deal. And, and being murdered in front of people and having your clothes ripped off of you in front of people and hung naked on a cross. 
Like, he's God. It's no big deal. But can you imagine looking at it through the lens, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, that he's the one that created us. Through him, we're being held together. And his creation is trying to take things into their own hands and get rid of this complication. Because Jesus didn't come so that they could be proved right. Jesus came because they were doing something wrong. They were missing. They were trying to create their own way of being right before the Father. And there was but one way. And to here we find Jesus. This is um, leading up to the crucifixion. There's already been the triumphal entry, which I think is hilarious. He comes into the city. This is what we're celebrating. I mean, this is what this Sunday would be. He's coming into the city. People are worshiping and laying down their clothes and palm branches. And they're singing to the king who's entering. And less than a week later, they're singing, crucify. And I think sometimes we look at it through the lens that that wouldn't be us. But we do that. We're doing it now. We're literally going from one day of going, he is the king, to crucify him. Meaning get rid of him. Because that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to get rid of the thing that was going to ruin their religion. (laughs) Which is hilarious. And so verse 32 says, And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. I mean, he knew the plan. He was there in Genesis when uh, Genesis three fifteen when the promise was spoken. He knew why he was there. This is how we understand that we have a Lord and Savior that understands what we're going through because he wasn't like, "Hey guys, I'm going to die for you tomorrow. I'm going to." have nails driven through my arms and my legs, and I'm going to suffocate in front of people screaming at me, mocking me, spitting at me. He was burdened because he understood what transaction was going to happen. The weight of all of our sin was going to be placed on him. And for all those that know the power of falling asleep while you pray, amen? It's like if you can't sleep, just try to pray or being still. The the holy favorites were with Jesus. He pulls them with him, and they cannot stay awake for nothing. their, Their master is telling them, I'm sorrowful to the point of death. And they're like, out. In verse 36, it says, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. 
This is my point. If there was another way, it would have happened right here. And if the creator of the universe in this moment, under this pressure, talks to the Father and says, hey, if there's another way, let's do that way. But he says, not my will, but your will. And when the Father leads to this, there was no other way. There was no other way for this to happen. And it happened exactly when he intended it to happen. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. There's a desire for us to live holy and set apart lives, but the flesh is weak. And that's why we cannot trust the flesh. That's not why we, can, we cannot live in the flesh. We, not can, we cannot build our spiritual life in the flesh. We have to rely and live in the Spirit, abiding with the Father. In verse 39, it says, And again he went away and prayed, saying these words, the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer him. Yes. Don't try to make excuses. And he came a third time and said to them, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? It is enough. The hour has come. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise and let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the way. And if this is the way, there is no other way. Attendance at this church is not the way. Your giving record is not the way. I mean, I know that's a great box. And that toolbox has made it almost 10 years. And it doesn't really look, you know, you're like, what is that? It looks like somebody took it off their truck and cut a hole in the top of it. But what goes in that box is not the way. Your service to our community in this church, and I know I'm I'm, I'm putting a little pressure for us to get more volunteers, specifically in our kids' ministry, and thank you for those that have signed up recently. But that service record is not the way. And let me tell you why we want those ways, because those ways are easier. Than what Jesus has called us to. Because wide is the road that leads to destruction. But narrow is the path that leads to righteousness. And the life that God has called us to. Living. Abiding with him. Is out of our control. Because all of those other things are in our control. We can write a check. We can volunteer our time we can go to the easter egg hunt next week and and serve our time and smile smile and wave and you know protect yourself from kids running over you because that's what's going to happen next week because they're going to blow whistles and it's not going to be your group's time and you're going to have to do everything in your power to keep two to three year olds in chick yeah it's it's going to be tough that's why we need volunteers we need 
people ready. But all of those things are things that we're trying to control. We're, we're trying to do because they're easier. Because those things are, are, are time permitted. Like we, we permit a little bit of our time and we, we try to give those things to God going, I've done my thing. Instead of the life of following Jesus, the life of trusting and believing in Jesus is a life that's given to Jesus. And there is no time clocks in our faith where we can serve and check out at the end of the day. We, we're, we're, we're his disciple. We're his children. We, we don't leave that. And part of it is this weird conversation of like, well, if he's God, couldn't he do something else? I mean, he literally could do anything that he wants. But the, the, the converse, and this is a bigger conversation. I, I, I encourage you to, you know, Googling is always dangerous. But, you know, there's some great resources out there that you can take a deep dive into this. Is this idea of a merciful and just God. No one in this room wants not to have a merciful God. No one's like, man, I want a God that's going to burn me. Like, I want a God that's going to put the pressure down and it's going to just whoop me all day long. No, no one's saying that. No one's saying, like, I want God to catch me doing the wrong thing and just, like, kick me. I want God to, like, take away all my stuff. Like, no, we're saying we want mercy. Everyone. And, and the cross is the demonstration of mercy. But for God to be merciful and good, he has to be just. And the problem is, is that our sin, which we all have sinned, all have sinned, everyone in this room, there's no levels of goodness. There is the, the level of goodness. Here's the level of goodness when it comes to righteous and unrighteous. One sin. That's what puts you into the other category. So the problem is that we look at other people and go, I'm not as bad as that guy. Do you think that there's like levels of like hell, like I'm going to the lighter hell? I want hell light. You know, like, like, that it. That's, see, anytime I say things that aren't on my notes, it's dangerous. <clears throat> but that's how we think. And then we think, well, like Jesus, and this is why the view of the cross is diminished, is because we think he didn't have to do much for us. We think that, you know, he really had to die for those bad people and like. But for God to be merciful and just, he has to punish sin. He has to do something with it. He can't just go, okay, everybody's forgiven. And none of you want that. No one in this room, you want mercy for you, but you don't want mercy across the board. Think about that for a second, because if God just waves his hand and forgives everyone and there, there's, um, you know, this idea of universalism that everything leads to heaven, that God just kind of waves it off and it's all good. Is it would that be a good God? I mean, because think of it, of all those other people that have done horrible things and go, well, you know, if God forgives me with just a. You're forgiven. Um, he has to do that for everyone. And so God not only shows himself merciful, but he creates justice by having his son take the penalty for us. 
Listen to this. Uh, Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not a language major, but all means all. There are some of you is like, well, Jesus, you know, he died for you. You know, like he just patted me on the back and said, good job. There's no good job. There's no good job without Jesus because we've all missed it. And then if all have sinned, Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of that sin is death. And I love this in uh, Isaiah 64, 6, part of it. It says, all our righteousness are but filthy rags. So e- even the good that you think that you've done, that you think separates you from the other people, are but filthy rags. And, and I'm not saying that everybody's doing this, but there's people in this room that are, it's a weighted scale. And you're like, the reason why you're stressing to do Better things is because you think I have to fix this teetering thing so God will love me. And the truth is that even our thing that we do, and here's the shameful thing for all of us. All of our works of righteousness are a filthy rag. You know what that means? It means that even the thing that we think we're doing that is super like holy, it usually isn't. It's usually not. I mean, think about it. Like, if we're going to be honest, and you don't have to, don't elbow anybody and don't look around and don't whatever, but most of the nice things that you do, you're doing for you. Okay, husbands. Let's just just be honest. When you think, man, I'm serving, I'm serving to love this lady, and it's pure and holy. No! Come on, let's be honest. We're doing these things and be like, I want her. And, and my wife makes fun of me now. Um, for those that have read the five love languages, I'm a, wor- a words of affirmation guy. <laughs> that means I need approval. Um, and I've started trying to turn over a new leaf and really being a servant in her house and, you know, like doing things. And uh, I think I've said this in service a couple weeks ago, but it fits. So I'm going to use it again. But like I clean the shower. Which is disgusting, by the way. I don't know if other shower shower cleaners raise your hand. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. That that grime doesn't come off easy. You got to put work in it. And I cleaned the shower, and it had been less than 24 hours, and I wanted praise and accolades. Like, honey, you done such a good job. Why do I want that? I want it for me. I'm not cleaning that shower for my wife. I'm cleaning that so I get praised. And so I walk up while Jody's in the shower, and I'm like, did you notice I cleaned the shower? And she's like, I sure did, but you didn't give me any time to say anything. So in the last 24 hours, or two days, everything I've done, she's like, babe, thanks for taking out the trash. Babe, thanks for, you know, filling the blank. Thanks for the, and I'm like, I'm almost spiteful of it because I know what she's doing. She's doing it because I need it. But that's what I'm trying to say. All the things that we're doing, we're doing for God's approval. And we can't live like that. We need to do them because we love God, not because we want God to love us. Because he's shown us that he loves us already. Period. This was in a book um, that I read recently. And he was talking about somebody else. And I don't remember the guy. So sorry. But these aren't my words. 
I just want to make sure that we understand that um, there's complete corruption in you. Like there isn't just a, we need a little fix. We need a big fix. If we humans were merely broken, a law could, if we had merely broken a law, we could repent of it. If our problem were ignorance, then education would be our solution. But the human problem is much more than that. We are corrupt and depraved. It is like a disease that cannot be cured by willpower or knowledge. And if you live on this planet long enough, and if you're honest with yourself, you'll realize that you have no power to fix what is broken inside of you. You cannot. I'm 45 years old. I'll be 46 at the end of this month. Yeah. I've started shaving my face a little bit more because all my beard is gray pretty much. It makes me look a little younger. Somebody's like, oh, you look younger. I was like, no, no, no. I just shave now. I shave. But I only shave once a week, so you're the only people that see me clean shaven. The rest of the week, everybody sees a 5 o'clock shadow. <clears throat> but complete corruption. Like, it's there. We, we cannot be fixed. Like, I've, I've come to the realization that the broken that I have is never going to be fixed by my goodness and by my work. And the more we learn to surrender, but we can't surrender until we know what we're surrendering to. And this is why we're talking about the cross. First Peter 3.18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. The unrighteous is us. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Which is where we're heading. This is what the conversation is going to be next week. Our life without surrender, our life without this going, I need you, doesn't work. I love a shortcut. I love three steps to whatever. I love six-minute abs. I mean, not really, but I love the shorter thing. But let me just tell you, it depends on what you want out of it. If you want a shortcut in the easy way, you're in the wrong place. Because God is in the business of building oaks that can withstand time. And oaks take hundreds of years to make. You know, their their growth season in the year is very short. And then the rest of the year is building stability around the growth that's going on. Years. And this is the vision that you need to have of what God's doing in you. It's going to take years of surrender. I I wish it was, well, it really wasn't easy, but I wish there was just a pill that I could give you, like in the Matrix, that your eyes would be open and you you would see the world that you're actually in and all the stuff that's being bombarded and you would, you would know the real world. But if you saw the Matrix, even the ones that had their eyes opened, one of them specifically that betrayed them, one of their eyes closed. And it's difficult to live in this world. But this, this is where our power is. This is where life is. This is why so many people are missing what God wants to do because we want the easy way out. And there is no easy way. It's hard. But there's value in it. 
If you want to be the thing that withstands time, you have to let God bring growth. And then you have to let him build the growth around it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'm sure none of you have done this ever and looked over at your spouse and said, I am the righteousness of God. I don't say that. I'm smarter than some people. But this is what God is doing with the cross. This is what the cross gives us. Because righteousness will never be your work. Real righteousness. It'll be his work in us, received by him. Romans 5, starting in verse 6. It says, For while we were still weak, and we could spend a whole day on this next section, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. God planned from Genesis 3.15, and that, that plan was fulfilled in part, I don't mean in part, meaning he's not returned yet, he's not finished, he's not completed, but he came the moment he intended to come. It was intended at the right time. That was exactly when he needed to show up. Verse 7, it says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one will even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through him, through whom we have now received reconciliation. He did the work for us. Not when we deserved it. I think some of us still are, are waiting for us to make ourselves more appealing to God so that he'll do this work in us. And if you read the Gospels, the ones that he offered it to had nothing to offer. He didn't go to the righteous. You know, they actually complained about him. They're like, why are you eating with tax collectors and sinners? And he said, and and, and hear this, this is the heart of the father. He said, I did not come for the well. I came for the sick. And that's the beauty of the cross is that he shows that. So why the cross? Because there was no other way. And he did it for you. And for those in this room who struggle with this idea that does God really love me? There's a, uh, an author that wrote the Ragamuffin Gospel. Some of you may have read that. Uh, his name was Brennan Manning. Um, and the story of him, he had a best friend named Ray. Grew up together, did everything together, bought their first car together that they shared, went on double dates together. High school together, they enlisted into the army together, and they were sitting in a foxhole, 
talking about Brooklyn, their hometown, and sharing stories of their old life. And Ray was sitting there eating a chocolate bar, listening. And a live grenade gets thrown into the hole, and Ray looks at his friend and smiles at him, threw down the chocolate bar, and jumped on the grenade. And died for his friend. Well, Brennan, that's actually not his name. He became a priest, and one of the things through their life, they asked, hey, you know, take a name of a saint. And so Brennan was the last name of Ray. And so he took his name as Brennan because he was a saint. And years later, after he had became a priest, he went to go <clears throat> visit Ray's mom. And he was sitting there having a conversation with her, and he started crying, and he said, do you think Ray loved me? Um, she got mad and she stood up and she said, Jesus Christ, what more did he have to do for you? And he had this little epiphany right there. Because we, we, we fall into this place of going, does Jesus love me? And he had this little kind of vision in his mind saying that to Jesus. And Jesus' mother, Mary, pointing at the cross and saying, Jesus Christ, what else does he need to do? And this morning, that's what I I want to impress on you. If you're not sure if he loves you, the cross is where we look. If he does nothing else for you, hear this. If he does nothing else for you, if your life is utterly miserable and he doesn't rescue or redeem you from anything else, he has proven how much he loved you by what he did for you on the cross so that you would have an opportunity to be able to stand in the presence of the Father by what he did for you. And to be completely honest, next week has no meaning can't talk about the power of the resurrection if you don't trust in the cross and what the cross did for you. So how do you see the cross? Is this the way for you? Because it's not, it's not the easy way. But it is the way that will lead to the most amount of life. And you, you could literally go, well, let's, let's test this theory out. And you live other branches of life and do other things. and The story is going to be the same. You're going to get to a place and go, man, I have wasted time. Or, or <laughs> today, you can just say, Jesus, I want to trust that. I want to live here, and I want I want the power of the resurrection. I want to live life now because He's promised us life and life in abundance. And yes, we'll get to experience that for eternity in heaven, but He means that for now, and He wants to give you the power for that now. But it comes at a price, and that price was the cross. I'm going to invite our worship team back up, and we're going to worship. And I encourage you to ask that question to yourself. 
One, do you realize what Jesus has done for you? And, and, and the beauty of it is that that's not just for people that have trusted and are believing in Jesus. That can be somebody in this room that has never really heard about Jesus other than this historical figure that may or may not have done things. Our world changed. How we measured things changed. Our dates changed because of this person. And our lives can change because of this person. And so I encourage you today to have a look at the cross. And think about Jesus doing what was necessary for us to show his love for us so that we could walk and have the option to live outside of the control and power of sin, which is what he offers us. Let's pray. Jesus, we all at times, potentially even now, have looked at your cross as nothing more than thing that is attached to the tops of church steeples, thing that we wear around our neck. And people all over the world talk about you. And some people even thank you for things. Jesus, we want to trust in the way that you've made for us to be right with the Father. And that starts with us acknowledging that there was no other way. With us acknowledging that we don't have the capacity to make ourselves right, to fix the issue, the corruption that is inside of us. But you do. You have the power to change us from unrighteous to righteous. And that starts with the cross. Lord, we thank you that at the right time, you came and did what you intended to do. And you were obedient unto death. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes and that you would give us ears to hear the whisper of you calling us to yourself. Lord, I... I don't know what each individual needs here, what words they need to hear, what encouragement they need to hear, what steps they need to take. But you do. Lord, you, you lead people to life that are willing to follow. And so, Lord, I, I pray for first steps today. I pray for 50th steps today. I pray for 10,000 steps today. Wherever we are in our journey to loving and serving you, Lord, I pray that you would call us higher. You would call us further. And that we would surrender. Regardless of what today looks like and what tomorrow may look like, Lord, we trust you. The life that you are leading us to is real life. I pray that you would transform people in this room from one thing to another. Lord, you've created us for so much more, and we need you to get there. So, Lord,
we surrender to you as Lord and Savior. I pray that you would help us live a life worthy of the calling that you've placed on us. And Lord, I pray that you would give us mission and purpose in this world to invite others into this same place of restoration and reconciliation that we have with you. We love you and thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.